Today on Quest, Chelsea Cahoon talks about her project, Music is the Drug. Life is a quest for logic and reason. It is a quest to find balance between science and faith. Life is a quest for knowledge and understanding. But most importantly, it's a quest for personal discovery. Whatever your quest, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Welcome to Quest. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Todd Fisher, and this is Season 2 of Quest. For those of you that might be new listeners, let me tell you a little about me. I'm the founder of Metatomics and the author of the best-selling book, Metatomics, The Grand Design. I'm a philosopher, a theorist, and a metaphysicist. I'm a perpetual pupil of theology and an expert in comparative religious study. I've also extensively researched the mind-body connection, anatomy, and physiology. I'm a researcher and a storyteller. And in order to tell this story, the research is necessary, and part of the research is the search. And that brings us to why I created the Quest podcast. A quest is a search for something. And this podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. To me, curiosity is part of what makes us human. And there's still so much we don't know. There's joy in discovery. It's what drives us. It's our quest. Hi, everyone. Today on Quest, my guest is Chelsea Cahoon. Chelsea has a great story, a very inspiring one, about making a life choice to never do any kind of illicit substance. No drinking, no drugs. And today she's going to share that story with us and a little bit of her career as a travel model and a singer and a songwriter and all the other cool stuff she does. Hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome to the Quest Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. You are a really interesting person. I, uh, we talked before the interview started about kind of how I found you and this crazy uh, world of internet stories kind of led me to your story. So you are really fascinating to me. So you're the founder of Music is the Drug. You're also kind of known through social networks and the festival scene as the sober raver. You're also <laughs> a published travel model, a singer songwriter. You're kind of TikTok famous right now. Um, and you're drug free for life. I find this truly incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Yeah, all those things are true. Um, The drug-free part is definitely what, you know, people ask me about a lot. And it's true. I've been drug-free ever since birth. So the interesting thing is if you put music, music festival, model, the music industry next to sober, it really doesn't make any sense, right? (laughs) (laughs) yeah it doesn't (laughs) tell me let's talk about your early life your early life vow to never use substances how did this come about yeah so you know it's it's funny because a lot what's not funny but a lot of people think that you know I come from a family of addiction or something happened to me as a child I really don't 
have a crazy story. I just, I guess it's a little unique and that I don't have a crazy story because I just remember being a little girl and not being interested in substances whatsoever. Um, you know, my parents, I guess they did kind of have some sort of say, I guess they were like, you know, drugs aren't good, blah, blah, but it was really up to me. And now that I think about it, about a few years ago, my grandmother reminded me that, you know, dare could have had an impact on me. And I didn't really think about it, but now that I'm older, I'm like, you know, that probably did do something to my brain. I think I was like the 0.01% that actually listened to dare. Um, cause I actually, I don't know if y'all ever went through that, um, that people that are listening, but people in the U S have to go through this program called dare where, you know, it's, it's against drugs or whatever. So I wrote a speech and I, I won, I was one of the winners and I got to read the speech to the fifth grade class. And I think that maybe winning that like speech left something on my heart. And I was like, that was actually really cool. And I don't think I ever want to do drugs, but even before that, I just had no interest. And, you know, when I got to middle school, people were already drinking, using substances. And I was just like, I don't understand. I get high on life. I don't need anything extra. I don't know why these people want anything extra. And ever since I've just lived my life this way, but I've lived it in a non-judgmental way because I think that everyone has a right to live their own lives. I just want everyone to be safe. And this includes everything, no alcohol, nothing nothing like people i i was away this weekend at a lake house and people could not believe what they they were like wait so no alcohol i was like no alcohol i've only so i will say i've tasted like a few drinks just to taste it but i spit it out i literally just wanted to know what it tastes like and when i was in mexico recently i ordered some virgin daiquiris and they accidentally put alcohol and i tasted immediately and i spit it i was like uh this has alcohol in it so that was mainly to know what it tastes like in case, um, any, anyone, anything like that ever happened. So no, I've never had a gulp of alcohol. I've never had a drink. Um, then people were like, so no weed, no CBD, nothing, literally nothing ever. I've never been high on any substance except spaghetti, spaghetti and music. (laughs) And you're what, what, 26 years old, 27. I'm 28. 28. So you're going on 28 years. (laughs) Yep. I'm 28. I'll be 29 in November. I heard a term the other day, California sober. And I was like, what is California sober? And it's California sober is where you only smoke weed. (laughs) I saw that. Oh my gosh. I saw that yesterday. I was like, that is so interesting. I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? This is a thing now. So it's, so I was going to joke with you. You're not even California sober, but you know, (laughs) I'm not, I'm a hundred percent what the kids will say straight edge, except I'm not a jerk about being sober. Like a lot of people tend to be negative in that crowd. Um, but I try to show the world that there's not, not everybody that considers themselves straight edge are harsh towards people that use substances. And I'm a very loving and accepting sober individual. So I'm still curious how this came to be, you know, were you, you, there had to have been a catalyst, right? Aside from Daryl, were you, were you spiritual or religious? Did you suffer a trauma? Was it, was there anything else that would have made you come to this decision? Um, I do believe in God and I do have to say, you know, being a Christian probably did help influence me just because I wanted to be, you know, a good child. Um, but really, no, I just, honestly, I feel like it was placed on my heart. Um, ever since I was little, I have no idea how to explain it. I just, I've always felt different from everybody else around me. And I feel like I've viewed the world a lot differently. Um, to me, it's just that childlike wonder from within is enough. Like I tell people, you know, being sober is kind of like never growing up because you never know a different perspective, really. Like I've, you know, I've never been drunk or high. I've never been in a different state of mind. 
Um, so I've kind of just always been this child and not like it's child, but you know, I'm very mature, but I just have this childlike wonder, I guess, about me. And I just, when people ask me like how to stop, I'm like, do you remember how you felt when you were like a child and you were just free? And it just brings back good memories for them. And like, wow, that's amazing. Like, you're right. I don't really need anything. And I'm like, yeah, you don't need anything. You, you want something. People want something because they want to feel good. And that's totally understandable. And I understand that, but you can also get high from so many things around you. And that's kind of what my brand represents. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that you're not judgmental on other people that do drink or do drugs. Is that, yes, is that exactly. hard to do to, to not be preachy to someone? Like, you know, have you ever tried it this way? Like, how do you not become the person that applies the peer pressure? Well, I think because, you know, I've, I've experienced peer pressure my entire life. Like, I mean, I remember getting offered my first beer. I was probably like, 16 and I remember turning it down and feeling like super powerful. I was like, wow, that was kind of cool. That's going to be my life right there. And, you know, ever since then people are like, oh, why don't you drink? Or like, you know, I'll get some people say that's really lame, but for the most part, I get love. Um, it's not much judgment, but you know, I just, I don't know. I've never felt like anyone should judge anyone. I mean, I think when I first, you know, came out with my sobriety, I was kind of like, this is cool. And like sober's like the best. And I feel like maybe I was a little bit too harsh at the beginning, but now I'm just so loving and accepting. And I think that everyone is amazing, no matter what they do. I just think that people need to be as safe as they can. And I try to show that I'm like, you know, you can do what you want, but be safe about it and don't put pressure on anybody. Like I, my ex-boyfriend was like, you should try Molly. And I'm like, dude, you know, I'm sober. Like that's so disrespectful. So all I ask for is respect from other people and I give them respect. I mean, I can, I can say that a lot of people I hang out with use substances and I'm totally okay with it because I see them for who they are, not what they do. You know, it's interesting how you mentioned that you felt powerful turning down, you know, a drink from someone let's, I want to get into peer pressure for a minute. So, you know, peer pressure is something that's tough on kids. Uh, It happens all through school, uh, possibly the most in high school and college. And oftentimes this even carries along into your young adult life and the early stages of your career. Peer pressure can exist in that whole time frame. So I want to know, like, how can a person, what advice would you give my listeners? How can a person render powerless someone trying to apply peer pressure? So you're asking like, how can somebody stop peer pressure from happening? Well, yeah. Uh, how do you, you know, how do you, you're at a, a, a fraternity sorority party and people are, you know, constantly pushing drinking or drugs on you. How do you render those people powerless that may keep pressuring you? Is there a way or is it just a matter of saying no? And people respect that. There must be people that are pushier than that. Oh yes, for sure. And, you know, I went to a party school called Radford and people can't believe it when I tell them um, it's a party school here in Virginia and pretty much people go to this school, not everybody, but a lot of people go to party. I went to get a fashion degree because it was one of the closest schools to home. So I knew what I was getting myself into, but it didn't matter to me because, you know, I've always been around that kind of stuff, even in high school, but yeah, I would go out to the fraternity parties. I would have a blast. I would dance. I tell people, you don't know I'm sober unless I tell you, or you don't, or you see me without um, a red cup. That's like the only way people will know that I'm, I'm sober because I have so much fun. I'm literally I like to consider myself the life of the party because I'm dancing. I'm trying to get everybody else dancing. And when people ask me to drink or they tell me to drink, I just, I have self-control. I, I have self-confidence from within to say, no, I don't need it. No, I'm sober. And like, 
it was really cool because I would go to these parties in, in college and I would end up telling people about my story. And then I would tell them about how I love God. And I would, I don't know, it would, it would end up being like a really good talk, like in a fraternity, like I would really have an in, intimate talk with these people in these places. And I think having those experiences at college is what kind of inspired me too to start my own thing because I wanted to have a platform. So yeah. it's all really cool how it's come together. Well, it, it's, an, it's a, an incredible amount of intestinal fortitude that you have to be able to make it through all this time and all this peer pressure and the party college and, and all those different scenes that you're involved in. You've even, I read in an article about you that you've gone to over a hundred concerts. That temptation alone is, <laughs> is crazy. You know, the, you could just, you know, like, yeah. I can't, I can't remember a time I wasn't in a cloud of pot smoke at a concert somewhere, not my own, but just in general being around there. Like, it's just like incredible uh, to avoid that really, uh, really amazing. Let, let's talk about your interest in music. When did that begin? Um, wow. <clears throat> interest in music. So when I was little, I, my mom got me into music early. My, both my parents love music. So, you know, at an early age, I remember listening to ace of bass with my mom like that was one of the first um groups i remember ever listening to um so yeah listening to it with my mom and then my grandmother wanted to take piano lessons and she was like do you want to come and i was like sure well i probably was like sure i was six years old but i started taking piano lessons with my grandmother and i then took it for eight years so i absolutely loved playing piano didn't like going to practice but loved playing and to this day, I still love playing on my own and I sing as well. So I don't know, music's always just been a big part of my life. Um, I took a year of guitar in high school and I would love to pick that up again. I just think it's so interesting to be able to learn something and memorize it. And when I play piano, it's just very th therapeutic. It's, it's something that when you play it and you hear it, it's just, it's literally a drug. And I think maybe playing piano early on is what really got me into music, but um, I don't know. I love so many different types of music. And like you were saying with the festivals and stuff, I've now, I don't, I don't know what article you read, but I've now been over like 200 and some festivals and shows. So wow. yeah, it's, wow. it's not just a hobby. It's a lifestyle and COVID has definitely taken that joy away. But in this time, I've not been depressed. I've been healing and I've been growing. And I think that I really needed this time away from festivals and shows to focus on what is most important. And I can't wait for them to come back because they really are my whole life, but I've appreciated the time away from them as well. Slowly they are coming back. So it's starting to come around. Yes. I'm excited for that. Let's talk about music as the drug. Um, what service does that perform? How did that come about? So I knew that I always wanted to start something. Basically, I was in college and I saw this company on Instagram. I think it was like 2014. I remember seeing this company called Party Sober. And I was like, wow, that company is, you know, they're advertising sobriety, like they're highlighting sobriety. I'd never really been public about my sobriety. I think I was 21. I think I was 21 years old. I saw this company. I decided to order a shirt. I kept ordering, ordering, and then they were like, Hey, what's up? Like they reached out to me and they eventually wanted to give me the company after a while. And I was like, Oh, I can't do that. I'm in college, but that would have been so cool. Like I was thinking to myself, that would have been awesome. And I think ever since then, I wanted to start my own thing. I wanted to start a sober company, but then I realized I was like, uh, I don't know if that's actually what I want. 
And I remember I was working at this resort. Um, I used to work at this resort called the Greenbrier. It's like a five-star resort in West Virginia. Yeah. And I was thinking while I was working, I worked in retail for, you know, the last, I guess, like 10 years, eight years. Um, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, I really want to start something like this is not my passion. Retail is not my passion. I just got a degree. What am I doing here? And I was like, why don't I just start a company based on my passion for music? That is my passion. Like that is what I'm most passionate about the music that I listen to. It gives me this feeling like no other. And I want to just show the world that the, the, the power that music has alone. And I want to show people that this is enough. Like you don't ever have to have anything else. Music is truly enough. It's healing. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And I remember going home and I was trying to think of names for my brand and my Instagram bio read music is my drug. And I was like, how can I make that a little bit different? And I remember asking my brother, I was like, do you think music is my drug is a good brand name? And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, what if I changed my to be? Cause it's like, music is the drug. Like it's cool. It's like a cool thing. He's like, that sounds better. So I remember choosing it. And then somebody told me they're like, well, there's a famous DJ named bass nectar that has a song called that. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And I didn't, I didn't worry about it too much. I was like, well, they're two totally different things. And I just went along with it. And on March 1st, 2018, I launched it at a music festival. And it's crazy because I wasn't even going to do it. I had somebody that wanted to invest in me and he pushed me to do it. And then I ended up not even taking his money and I just did it on my own. But that guy definitely inspired me. I, I had a push because I, I got really um, nervous about starting my own company because it was a big step. And I had been in a very depressive state of mind the entire year of 2017. It was just a very bad year for me, but that saved me. I feel like creating my brand really saved my mental health. And now I'm just so, I'm just so like excited for where it's going. I mean, it's definitely had a, like a pause with COVID, but I'm really excited for what's to come with it because each and every day I get different messages from people all around the world saying how it's impacted their lives. And I, you know, that's all I could ever ask for. That's, that's more than I could ever ask for because I started this company just to show the passion for music and to be a, a positive outlet for the music scene that can be very dark. The, the music scene can be centered around substance abuse and just negativity. And I just wanted to create something that could be a positive light for people that may be struggling and a non-judgmental way for all of us to connect as one. And here well, we are. Yeah, that's great. That's great. How can people find you on social media and the interwebs? How can they find out more about music as the drug? Yeah, absolutely. So I have two different Instagram accounts. One of them is called the sober raver. And my other one is called music is the drug underscore. And that's on Instagram. And I also have a Facebook page called music is the drug, um, as well as a Facebook group that people can join and actually share their music tastes, share different concerts and just as a community of like 1200 people and it's growing and it's just for music lovers everywhere. Yeah. And you also have a website, you have a .com, right? Yes, I do have a website. It's called musicisthedrug.us. I couldn't get .com. I need to get on that. Gotcha. But yeah, musicisthedrug.us. And we actually sell t-shirts, crop tops, uh, baseball hats, towels, all kinds of stuff, laptop cases. You know, I just think it's cool to be able to wear a message that is only positive and only shows people that, hey, yeah, like it, it makes people think they're like, wait, yeah, music is a drug. Music actually is because it makes people feel good and it makes us all feel connected. For sure. Chelsea, it's been a pleasure 
having you on the podcast and uh, keep up the good work with all this and then visit us again soon. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You keep it up too. This is such an awesome podcast and I've, it's been a pleasure to be on it. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you have it, my interview with Chelsea Cahoon. I hope you enjoyed it. wanted to let everyone know that I won't be doing the Quest podcast with as much frequency for the next few months through the summer. I will be doing them. They won't be coming out every week. In the fall, I will get back to them in their regular uh, schedule of doing them weekly. But I wanted to kind of give everyone a little bit of a break because... I do have a busy summer coming up, and I wanted to give people a chance to tune in to a new limited series podcast I'm doing with Dr. Katie Mooney called Cult Following, which will run all summer and into the fall. So I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks with my next guest, but I am going to have a little bit of a break. So it'll give everyone a little time to catch up, but I always appreciate you listening. Be sure to uh, leave me a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash metatomics. You can always uh, email me, questwithtod at gmail.com, and uh, keep listening, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Quest. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other new content. And make sure to pick up a copy of the book that started a spiritual revolution, Metatomics the Grand Design available for sale online and at most major bookstores.